You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. is recording now. <laughs> that just went along with our last episode on things too much. I know we were talking about when's the right time to start farting in front of your partner. I think that for me the time is never. I'm actually not going to do that. I farted as you guys know many years of farting continuously in front of Jade when I was dieting. I'm not doing that. Yeah same. Uh, you know what because I dated this guy in 2016 and he said he'd never fart in front of a partner and I, I was like what? I fart in front of my husband all the time. Yep. And Jill was going to write a book, and she still is, called Farts Killed My Marriage. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I don't want to. I mean, I've done it on accident, and I just pretended it didn't happen, or he, he ignored it, but I was like, oh my God, why did I do that? Yeah, he farts like more than me, but he won't like rip him in front of me. You know, I think some people are just, and I'm, I, you know, I don't know that it's really a signal if you're close or not. I think you can be really close to the person without like ripping farts on their head. <laughs> Yeah, we used to rip them in front of each other all the time. Constantly. <laughs> and that's not what this episode is about, but it's a good start. <laughs> farting. We could do a whole episode on when is it okay to fart in front of your partner. I just don't think I'm ever going to let think, them rip. Do you think there's an expert that we can ask? I mean, Jillian. We farting had an expert. We did talk to Jillian about she GI issues. Is she an expert in farting and relationships, though? No. That's a niche. You know, I mean, also it depends on your, like how your GI is. Remember like when you're eating all that Splenda and like all those fake foods and stuff, I was just farting so much more than I do now. Like, I mean, I don't know. I haven't really like farted that much, period. <laughs> That's true. So today we're talking about accountability. <laughs> <laughs> Complete 180. We're talking about accountability because... <clears throat> that's that's what we decided to talk about. Um, yeah, what was the backstory to this? I forget. Well, you know, my boyfriend, he's uh, he's coaching with people and he, he always says, he goes, you know, you could find information all over the internet. You can always find stuff. But, you know, when you work with a coach, the one thing they give you that you can't find is accountability. And so I was kind of pushing up against it because I was like, well, you know what? I have an, I'm doing lean building, Jill's program. And I have a friend, Amber, who's my accountability partner. She's in Nashville and she texts me. And I, I slagged off for a couple of days and I was like, I even have an accountability partner and I'm still not being accountable. So I was like, I disagree that people will hire someone just for accountability. And so 
Well, I think it's a certain personality, right? Yeah, yeah. Like some people need a a coach to check in with maybe to keep them accountable. I've had people, and I'm sure you have too, who say to me, the reason why I hired you is because I knew that you wouldn't let me off the hook. Mm -hmm. I knew that you would, you know, and I think that's probably true of me as a coach. And I think you're probably the same way that, you know, I do expect a lot from my girls and not in like a mean judgmental way, but like they know that I, I hold them to a high standard. I hold all my clients to a high standard. And I, not a perfect standard, by the way, right? Because I think there's one of the things that I wrote down in anticipation of this. I think if you are working with a coach, you're working with someone who keeps you accountable if you feel judged by them, or if you feel like there's no room for error, or you feel like you have to be perfect all the time, you're much more likely to just disengage. Mm -hmm. And we've all had that as coaches, we've all had clients who just kind of fall off the face of the earth. And I think oftentimes that's more because they feel either embarrassed or ashamed or guilty, and they just don't want to even show up to calls anymore because they don't feel worthy anymore. You know? And so I think as a coach, we can always try to lower the barrier to entry to make people feel like, Hey, I don't have an expectation that you're going to be perfect, but I do have an expectation that like you said, you wanted to, you know, talk to me every two weeks. Let's talk every two weeks. I'm never going to be like, what did you do? And like, why didn't you do that? I will never do that. And I think especially for you and I coming from the like fitness figure background, there was a lot of, um, what would you call it? Just coaches that expected perfection Perfection. and 100% compliance all the time. And if you didn't, they would just tell you like, you just need to be better and you just have to like really do like work harder this week. And like, so there wasn't ever, and I think some people maybe thrive off that to a certain point. I know for me that I did the opposite. I would rebel. Yeah. I, while you were saying it, I was thinking back to coaching, uh, like fitness coaching and, and coaches with food and, um, thinking about disengaging as sometimes, uh, you know, when you said the personality types, if you have a perfectionistic personality, sometimes you feel like if you mess up, then you can't. So I know you and I have had clients who you're like, Hey, I haven't talked to you. Like I'm supposed to, we're supposed to talk every week or we're supposed to talk once a month and you haven't been on my books and they're just embarrassed because they didn't do what they said. And so they're like, well, I can't talk to them. And it's not necessarily how you made them feel. It's just how they were judging themselves. So I think it's, um, it's interesting because I think certain personality types will keep, you know, they're so perfectionistic or there is on the other side, the coach holding a high, high standard that it's just not, it's not holding you accountable anymore. It's just like being, I don't know, a dictator, which is not helpful. Well, and it also isn't true either. Like when you think about like even these coaches that expect perfection, like, believe me, they're not perfect. Danny and I don't know them. They're not like that's their own kind of odd dysfunction that they feel like they have to portray a certain level of perfection. I mean, you guys listen to this podcast, you know that Danny and I are far from perfect. And so the idea that we would ever expect someone else to show up in that way. And so I think for you and I, I can speak, you know, to both of our businesses. I think we do a good job of making people feel okay engaging back in the process. Cause you and I both know they're going to be, that's the only way people are going to be successful, including us is if we stay engaged somewhat in the process. As soon as we decide that we're unworthy, we're behind, we're not good enough. And we check out, we're obviously never going to be successful. So I think it does, you know, I think other people are willing to stay accountable to something if they spend money on it, what's your take on that? Yeah. So, you know, there's a saying that, uh, when you pay, you pay attention. And I definitely think there's something to that. You know, I used to give out meal plans for free and I was like, so I worked so hard on it and then friends wouldn't do it. And then eventually when I started charging $250 and people would actually do it, cause they're like, this is a very expensive piece of paper. And so I think there is something to that. And you know, my very first, like, I want to say my real first personal development investment was $400 to this workshop. And it was about getting out of debt and making more money. And that $400 was like 
my last $400. It was on a credit card that was maxed out. And I remember going there thinking, I need to just get $400 worth out of this. I need to just get an idea that makes my $400 back. And I sat in that room and took notes and I was like, I'm doing everything this woman says. And Jill asked me today, if you paid $400 to go to an event today, would you do that? And I was like, no, I'd probably show up late, sleep in. I would probably come back from lunch late. I might be on my phone half of the time because that $400 isn't the do or die. Like I, I'm not in that situation. And so I think that it can. And I asked you if there was a, a an amount that if you did pay it, you would yeah, pay more attention. You said, is, is there an amount? And I said, to be honest, I don't think it's the amount right now. I would have to be a person that I'm like, I respect so much. And I feel like they just had something that I needed, but I can't think of any person that there is for me right now. So I think money can be an accountability factor and it definitely helps. It's, I definitely have seen a pattern of when people pay more, they do show up more often than versus free. Um, but it's not always, it's not, it doesn't work all the time. Yeah. I'm not that kind of person. I don't Mm -hmm. think like that doesn't really work for me. I was thinking about this before we jumped on. I was like, what would make me stay accountable to something? I know I've paid, I've done a couple of masterminds that have been in the ballpark of like $35,000 and I mean, it was a great experience, but I mean, I went to like only half of the events. Um, I didn't show up to like even half of the calls and it wasn't because it was like, you know, I didn't value it. It was just like, I was doing my own thing. And so for me paying that much money, so I don't know, even if I paid like a hundred grand that I would have attended everything, gone to all the calls. So I think for some people coming back to personality, I think that's maybe where they feel more obligated. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me, one of the biggest ways that I stay accountable is, um, like public declaration works really well for me. And it's actually what I teach in my courses is like some sort of like putting yourself on the hook publicly. That's why I always have my girls like, let's pick a date. Let's announce it on social media. You can always reverse engineer it. You can always create it ahead of time. But I think sometimes we just keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. But as soon as you kind of even start collecting money, right? Maybe you put out a buy button and you have some people pay you for the thing. You're like, oh shit, I declared it. I'm on the hook now. I have to create it. So I think for me, that would be probably the number one way that I would stay accountable to something. And I love something that Seth Godin says. He says, um, he said, opportunities come from being on the hook. And Mm -hmm. most of us don't like that feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think, I think for a lot of people, maybe they would not publicly declare it because then they are on the hook. So then you go, what's the fear here? Is it the fear of responsibility? Because now all of a sudden you have to show up for these people and they might not like it. They might be disappointed. That might not get a result for them. They might want their money back, right? Like there's all these additional kind of responsibilities now that once you're accountable, it's like, holy shit. Like you and I worked with competitors. They announced to the world that they're doing a show. There's no backing out, yeah. right? They, you know, someone announces publicly that they're, they're trying to lose 50 pounds this year. And all of a sudden all eyes are on them which can be really scary for people. So you, I think at the end of the day, you have to examine why you wouldn't be, want to be on the hook. Yeah. Why you wouldn't, like, what is the fear there? And for me, it always comes down to, I think, a fear of responsibility, more eyes. Yeah, yeah. Fear of I, success even. I think that there's, um, there's, we've heard of internal motivation and external motivation. And I think that some people are really just driven internally and they can get it done. But I think I sometimes need that little bit of external motivation like that. Like, okay, I'm on the hook. You, you had said the same thing to me before we jumped on here was, you know, if you sold something, you know, I was like, yeah, dude, I would be working on that for sure to get it out. If I took people's money and I had, I promised something I would have to deliver because I feel responsible. And, um, it's funny because it is interesting how people are motivated in different ways. I tend to 
like to win. Um, I noticed this in network marketing. There'd always be like a contest or something. And I'm like, oh, I want to win. And not because I even cared about the prize. Usually the prize was it's like whatever. But I was like, I feel like I can I feel like I can do it and it feels like a challenge. And so it pushed me and I, you know, I'd have people in my organization who just, I'm like, Hey, you could do this. Like they're giving away this prize and they're just like, eh, it's, it's not motivating to them. And I wanted that challenge. I liked the challenge. If there wasn't a challenge, I didn't work as hard. And so I've noticed for myself, sometimes I need external motivations. Um, I was going to tell this story, <laughs> Jill and I, uh, like two years ago, two or three years ago, we were both working on some projects. I think I needed to get out some kind of email sequence and you need to get out some kind of email sequence. And both of us knew like we needed to do this, but there's no deadline on it. It's like one of those things where nobody's counting on us to get it done. So we, we created this bet, kind of a bet. And we were like, okay, we, we have to have this done within a week. And if, if I don't do it, then I have to pay you 250 bucks. <laughs> and we picked 250 because it was like, okay, we have to make it a decent amount where it's a little bit painful. And then if Jill doesn't do it, she pays me 250 bucks. But then I was like, but what if we both don't do it? Cause I know us. <laughs> so we're like, Ooh, so we decided I get to tell her who she has to pay it to. And she has to tell me who I have to give it to. So she told me I had to give it to my ex. And I was like, Oh hell no. <laughs> And I told her she had to give it to someone else. And that motivated me. I, I'll tell you what, it motivated me more to not have to pay him than anything else. Than I was just like, the yeah, I didn't even like the 250. If it was for that, I probably wouldn't have done it. But thinking if I didn't do it and I was like, what if she doesn't and I have to pay him, then that was, there was no way I was going to let that happen. And so I think there are certain things that we have to, like, we have to figure out our own psychology. So the 250, if I had paid you as a coach to say, hold me accountable, I probably just would have thrown that money away. I still wouldn't have done it. Or it would have got done later, like uh, arbitrary deadline or something. But that motivation was what got me you know what's so ass. funny about that is you actually finished it a couple of days before the deadline like we had some sort of deadline <laughs> and you finished it a couple of days ahead of me and I had the opportunity to finish it but this is how not that how not motivated I am by this and this is where it comes down to psychology I just sent you the money <laughs> I had to I like still had like two days to like do it and just, then I just was like I'm not doing I it just get a Venmo notification it's like 250 from Jill <laughs> I just sent you because I was like, you know what? There's, I, I have a couple days left. I don't want to spend the next two days writing this yeah, funnel, so I'm not yeah. going to do it. And that goes back to like your conversation about internal versus external motivation. Like why, if we need that much motivation to do something, I think at some point we should ask why. Mm. You know, like I've had to ask myself that with a book, you know, you and I have been talking about writing our books for the last couple of years and I keep not doing it. And I keep asking myself, like, what's the problem? Like, what's the, what is the problem there? Is it just that I'm not excited about it? Is it because it feels like it, the goal is not in alignment? You know, why haven't I not been doing it? Is it a passion issue? It might not be. It's obviously not a time management issue. It's a, maybe a passion issue. You know, maybe it's an alignment issue. Like, I don't know why. And so I think asking that question, if you have something that you've been like people and I'm I'm sure you get this too. I get a ton of DMs from people being like, I want to build my business. I want to build a business. And I'm like, cool. Like we can do that. And they just like the idea of it. I think sometimes I think I like the idea of having a book more than I really want to do the thing. So then I have to ask myself, okay, am I outcome focused mm -hmm. or am I process focused? Mm. How do I want to spend my day? And in order to write a book, I might have to spend all of my days writing and then have this big project and whatever. And it's like, okay, 
I like the idea of the outcome, but I don't like the idea of the process. And mm-hmm. I have to check myself on stuff like that. Whereas other things I will just be so excited about and pumped up. And like, I don't need any sort of like accountability partner, motivation, pay anybody. Like it just, it just gets done. Cause I'm pumped about it. And so I think paying attention to those two things matters as well. All right. We're going to take a quick break in this episode to give a shout out to our sponsor, noissue.co. So No Issue is a customizable uh, packaging company. You guys, I, you just have to go to the website. It's so hard to explain. Well, it's not hard to explain, but it's really cool. I don't know if it's as cool to hear as it is, as it is to see. So No Issue provides brands and businesses access to custom sustainable packaging. So they have mailers, tissue paper. You can upload your logo, make everything really customizable. I mean, I could see you guys doing these for parties, weddings, events. It's just really, really fun. It's a fun way to like put your branding and um, your personal touch on gifts that you can send to clients, to customers, to friends and family. And it's a way that is sustainable. All the products have customizable tissue, there's stickers, there's tapes, they're all compostable, they're printed with soy-based inks. Um, the mailers are 100% compostable and the prices vary, but they try to keep their minimum order quantities really low. So no matter how big your business, you can afford and have access to the brand and packaging. And this is just a really great way to create recognition throughout your whole customer experience or even um, your event that you're hosting. And it adds just a nice touch of personalization. People remember that stuff. People remember the details. So I'm really excited to have No Issue sponsor the podcast. And we're so grateful for these sponsors, y'all, because this is how we keep the podcast going. And during this pandemic time, you know, companies are pulling back on marketing and branding. And I think that this is a time to really push our messages. And so we really appreciate go to noissue.co. And as always, if you use the best life at checkout, you're going to save some, save some dough. Didn't mean to rhyme, but anyway, all right, we love you. And we'll be back to the show. That's really good. The passion thing is really interesting because it is like when we are super excited, when we are super passionate, we don't need the accountability. We just get it done. So, uh, you know, I think it does come down to um, alignment potentially and fear, fear of success, fear of, you know, I talked about this in one of the episodes, um, Brendan Burchard's like the the different pains, loss pain, process pain and outcome pain. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it comes down to one of those. And so we like what you said about the process. It's like, I like the idea of having a book and, you know, having a book launch party and all of that, but like actually doing the steps to it seems overwhelming. So, so we just pr- never start the process. Yeah. People love the idea of making six figures on the internet, but when you tell them like, okay, write a social media post today, they're like, no, you know, and yeah. it comes back. We had this conversation last night when you were over, um, this guy who we've learned from Philip McKernan, who is an amazing, uh, personal development facilitator. And we've gone on a trip with him and he's a writer and he's a speaker and all this kind of stuff. And he, I remember him saying, people ask me all the time, how do you speak on stages? I want to speak on stages like you to, you know, hundreds of people, thousands of people. And he tells them, get one client. Cool. You want to speak on stages to thousands of people? get one client and they don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I don't want to sit around and like write and like have to outline a big book and like edit it and stuff like that. So it's like, okay, you have to ask yourself, do you want to do, are you willing to do the day to day things that it takes to be someone who speaks on stages, to be someone who has a book? And it may be a no. 
and that's also okay. Yeah. But recognize it instead of just constantly being like, I had to, f- I actually was like, Jillian, you shut the fuck up. Cause you could just keep saying, I want a book. I want a book and you keep not doing it. So cool. That's not on the to-do list anymore. Yeah. You know? And if it happens, cool, but it's not going to be, it's just not on the list anymore. Yeah. It is interesting how we need incentives or not incentives. Like sometimes right. the actual outcome the, is the, all the incentive you need. Right. So something you enjoy, it's like, you don't need to put a little carrot in front of yourself. Other times you do need to have that kind of incentive. Like you might just not do it or not push yourself unless you have that. And I, I remember hearing or maybe reading something in research about, you know, people who are are more successful, who have more internal motivation. They used to bother me because I felt like I definitely always have to have something external. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a prize or winning. Sometimes it's to prove people wrong. <laughs> I would say some of my most successful things were like when I split with my business partner and sweaty buddies, I wanted so badly to make that business successful just to, just to show that I could do it without her. that I worked my ass off to try to, um, just put that out there. And it was interesting because once I, stopped caring about her, I felt like I lost my edge. And so I feel Mm. like sometimes we set things up like that, where, um, when you lose that, you do lose your edge. There's a lot of people who feel like if someone tells them they can't do it, I don't know if you're that kind of person. I'm not that kind of person, but some people feel like if someone tells me I can't do it, watch out because it's all the motivation I need to do it. And I think, you know, especially you and I work with people who with like weight loss and stuff or healthy lifestyle, oftentimes it's not it's not them that makes them want to get healthier. It's their kids. I've had a lot of people say, I want to be a good example for my daughter. I want to, you know, that's the reason why I started talking to myself more kindly. That's the reason why I started showing myself self-compassion. It's why I started loving my body because I didn't want to be a mom and an example to my daughter that like she can't love her body and she can't. And like, you know, people would like cry over that, of course. So it's, so your motivation might not be you. It might be someone else in your life that you want, that you care about so much that you want them to have that thing too. So I think there's that book by Simon Sinek called, um, starts with why. Mm-hmm. And that could be a good place to start. If you guys are feeling like you don't know, you know, you're trying to manifest something, you're trying to work towards something, but you keep maybe not doing it. Maybe you have to go a little bit deeper to figure out what that why might be. And yeah, I think it is a personality type thing. I definitely think it's a personality thing. Um, one of the things for me for accountability for myself is deadlines, even though most of my deadlines are arbitrary because I have my own business. So I'm making them up, but I need those. Like when I was in school, most of my work got done the day before it was due, right. Or a couple hours before it was due. That's just how I worked. So I have found personally, it's not necessarily holding myself accountable to a person, but it's holding myself accountable to my own random deadline. And so I think that, um, it's just one of the tools I use is just creating deadlines and making it. So it's like, it needs to be be done by a certain time. Um, and I also find that I do work harder for other people often. So, you know, one of my old assistants, I, I really hired her and I told her I hiring her to almost be my boss. I'm like, I need you to stay on my ass. And it helped me stay productive because I knew I had to pay her when it was just me and I didn't, I could make my own money or whatever. It was fine. But now knowing I have to pay her and she needs to stay busy. So I had to stay productive to keep her busy. It actually kept me more productive and, and going. And so it's really, really interesting. Like you said about the kids too. I think sometimes we do need that outside. I don't necessarily think we always need to have an internal motivation, um, 
or internal accountability to do something. Yeah. I, I think that's true too. I think for me, I, I like deadlines as well, but I also like to be put on the hook. And you know, it's interesting with the COVID stuff, like you were talking about with Brendan Burchard, um, on, was it this episode? No, that was the last episode about how you were talking about, like, you don't want to be the bigger person. Oh, yeah, you don't want to yeah. step up. But with COVID, I remember having a, like kind of a conversation with myself and I was like, all right, I have clients that are looking to me mm-hmm. to hold it down. And that really motivated me. It motivated me to feel on the spot. And so while I think that that can be really scary for a lot of people, again, when you like publicly declare something that you're going to do something or whatever, I like that because as scary as it is, I love the idea that like I have to get it done because so and so like people are looking to me or need me to be a certain, like need me to hold it down and need me to, to like get to the next level to level up for something. Back to the coaching thing and having a coach hold you accountable. I think what ultimately helps is maybe having a conversation with your coach on how you are best held accountable. So I used to train a guy and he, (laughs) he, his name was Anthony and uh, he wanted me to call him fat Tony. And he wanted me to yell at him like you fat piece of shit. Come on, you loser. And he, he literally got motivated by me just calling him a piece of crap and he'd work harder. And so I was like, okay. And I'd laugh. I'm like, I can't do this, but like you have to know yourself. So like for Jill and I, it motivated me more to not pay my ex money than to do the money. So knowing that maybe for your own accountability, you have to have a negative consequence for not doing it versus a positive carrot to get to. So maybe I need Mm -hmm. to do this for my own lean building is if I don't do it, then I have some kind of consequence versus just checking in because the checking in is not working. Do you want to talk? Do you want to reveal what you and Jeff are doing? Oh yeah. So I mean, cause this is, this is a, quite a consequence. <laughs> this is a big one. So, um, the last year, honestly, y'all like have not really been doing much work after, um, my life AF event, I just kind of fell apart. And, um, so anyway, Jeff and I made a, not a bet for, with each other, I guess just, uh, yeah, we made a consequence. We're like, look, we've been entrepreneurs for a long time, but we've been slacking acknowledging it, not doing everything we need to do. And so we have this calendar on the board and we're like, if we can't make a hundred thousand dollars in four months, then we have to go get jobs. <laughs> and like, there is, it's so funny cause he's been working up all, he's like, I'm not getting a job. I don't care if you do, but I'm not. And I was like, no, this is not happening. But yeah, we were like, look, if we can say what we um, you know, if we do what we say we can do, we should be able to do it. And if we put our heads down, we should do it. But if we can't come up with it, then maybe it's not like, maybe this isn't in the cars. Maybe we shouldn't be entrepreneurs anymore. So we are, we've got until the end of June, which is coming up really fast or the end of July. I don't know. You told me July originally. Okay. So maybe it was July. I was like, it's coming up quick. But yeah, that's freaking scary. And it's a lot. And I actually told my brother, it's funny. He goes, well, wow. I, you know, we don't, I don't usually make a hundred thousand. And I was like, well, I haven't in that short amount of time either, except now we're going to make it happen. And and he yeah. was, he was talking about, um, like, uh, net. Right. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, it's not net. It's just total. Like we might have to spend a hundred to make hundred. I don't know, but <laughs> we got to make a, we didn't make it as profit. Um, but yeah, it's a big one and it is a negative for me. I will work way harder to not have to get a job than to make a hundred thousand dollars. Like it's just, that's the amount of money. It wasn't the thing. It's literally, if I have to go get a job, that will be horrifying. And I remember he even asked me, he's like, so what kind of job would you get? I'm like, I'm not even thinking about that. Cause it's not going to happen. I'm not going to 
You're going to make it work? I'm not going to entertain the idea of a job that I will work. Well, gosh, so. there probably aren't even any jobs to get. Amazon. <laughs> you could sell stuff on Amazon? No, I could deliver. Oh, okay. If you guys see me knocking on doors. I mean, I guess you could do like Uber Eats or DoorDash delivery. I don't even, I don't even have a car. Oh, so you can't do that. No. Actually. <laughs> Y'all. Well, we're going to hold you send to me. F- please send me your money. <laughs> yeah. Her Venmo is dannyj.com. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably going to get some money in your I'll pay I'll pay you back but wait till July we just need to <laughs> prove that we got it in <laughs> yeah it's I mean it's such a good you know it just is and, and to your point about if you are a coach figure out the way that your client likes to be motivated and then also figure out the channel that they like to work in right so if you feel like you have a client who does not get back to you over email ignores your you know text or whatever like maybe ask them when you first start working with them what's their best uh, mode of communication. Maybe they like text message. Maybe they like voice message. Maybe they like, and I think meet them there. And then whatever you can do to make them feel super safe in the relationship. I know for me, if I didn't feel like my coach was going to understand my struggle, I wouldn't, I would just, I would just disengage. Right. I was like, I don't trust this person. I'm going to get yelled at. I'm going to be punished. I'm not going to, this person's going to understand. Like I'm, I would just disengage. And so if you have, if you're a coach and you have a lot of people who are dropping off the face of the earth, you need to check your systems. You know, one of my um, earliest mentors, Alan Cosgrove, he would always say, you know, that like, it's your responsibility. If your clients aren't getting results, take full responsibility for that. And I think that's hard because we go, well, we can, you can only, you know, uh, take a horse to water. You can't make them drink. And it's like, you actually have a lot more power than you think you do by some of these nuanced things that a lot of coaches who frankly, maybe aren't as seasoned, don't think about how does your client like to be motivated? What channels do they are the easiest for them? How can you make them feel more safe in the relationship so that they can stay accountable? How can you keep them engaged no matter what? How can you meet them where they're at? How can you uh, not judge them when they don't perform perfectly? And so I think asking yourself, remember, coaching isn't just about giving someone, you know, what to do. It's like making them feel safe and making them feel encouraged that they can, can keep going. And so whatever, and if, and if you are noticing a lot of your clients falling off, then you probably need to take a look at your own systems. Mm-hmm. I really love that. There is a lot of times I think where coaches fall short there because the the client could potentially be doing well. It's just, they're not doing well with that system. Right. Yeah. Or the coach just goes, well, I don't know. I can't, I can't force them, Yeah. you know, or, you know, I'm not with them all the time. And I think we disengage as a coach. I think sometimes we disengage too fast. We just go, well, you know, they're just not going to do it. They're just that type. They're not motivated. And I'm like, you know, I remember John Berardi once saying, he goes, everyone's motivated but just not everyone's motivated to health and fitness. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's motivated to do something. So it's like, you need to figure out how they're motivated and where they're motivated in your life and tie that into health and fitness. If that's what you're coaching the person on. So I don't know, being a coach is a skill, you know, it's an art. It's not just like giving someone a bunch of information and like hoping that they can do it all perfectly. And I think sometimes new coaches will get into that and be very rigid. So if you're noticing a lot of your clients are falling off, check yourself, check yourself. I like that. I like that. I also think that um, a conversation should be had of what does accountability look like to them and to you. So when I was talking to my friend Amber to do lean building, 
she said, she's like, okay, we'll be accountability partner. She goes, well, what do you want me to hold you accountable Mm. to? And I said, well, I want to just be consistent. So for me, it's going to be four days a week. And then I said, well, well, the program's five, so five days a week. And so it wasn't necessarily, um, being accountable to like what workouts just consistency was what I wanted. And so sometimes it is just saying, okay, what, what do you want to be held accountable to? Because it's not, maybe it's not perfection. It's just doing something or it's just showing up this many times. So I think we need to get clear on that as a coach. Well, and also if the person is not being consistent, like in your case, you know, you don't have access to all their equipment. So even that could be a barrier. So instead of just assuming that they can't do it or that they're not motivated or that we're not motivated, be like, what is, what's the barriers? Oftentimes it is more of these more tactical barriers. The person wants to be successful, but it's like, oh yeah, like I just forgot to make time my schedule or I forgot I haven't looked at my calendar or I don't have the right equipment and like oftentimes we don't think it's those things but those are the biggest blocks dude so true actually that was one of the biggest things was not having the equipment one of my bands snapped on me and I was pissed and then I was like this sucks right yeah and that's all it takes (laughs) so when you think about this is happening to us this is also happening to your clients yeah so okay they might disengage because their band broke and they might not tell you that because they're embarrassed or they're just feeling so behind that they're just like well I just want to I want this person not pay attention to me anymore or whatever it is you know so yeah, it's, it is tricky. And I think it's definitely worth asking all those questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. Well, I like it. And also we want to recommend the book by Gretchen Rubin, uh, the four tendencies. I know Danny talked about it in a different episode, maybe I think around the holidays. Um, but she has a quiz in there and there's four different kind of personality types. And the book is all about motivation and inspiration. Like how can you stay motivated? And we know that a lot of people struggle with that as do we obviously. And I think it's smart to take that quiz. And then based on kind of what tendency you come up with, there's a lot of ways in which you can kind of maybe tweak stuff depending on your personality type. Yeah. I like that one. It is a good book. Yeah. And yeah, that was a holiday episode. Yeah. That's useful in a lot of different situations in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, I think that was all the things on my notes. Same. Showing up for someone or something. Yep. Internal motivation. Got it. Cool. Sweet. All right, y'all. Well, thanks for having this conversation with us by listening to us. (laughs) Yep. We always (laughs) appreciate those back and forth. Um, Thank you guys so much. Please, please, please drop a review if you have a second. Um, We know you guys are on iTunes. You are on whatever uh, apps you are using to listen to this. It would mean so much to us if you guys just take literally 30 seconds to write a quick review, just one or two sentences on what you like about the podcast, what you get out of it, what you think would be useful for other people potentially listening to it if they're looking for a podcast. We get a lot of people who come to us who found us on iTunes um, and who will say things like it took us you know, it took me 10 other podcasts to try out before I got to yours. And so we really appreciate um, any reviews that you guys leave on iTunes just to give people insight into what they can expect here. We appreciate you. Yeah, you're the best. All right, guys, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.